Hello and welcome to Project 99. It is January 15th, 2021. And wow, what a year it has been already. <laughs> yeah, like the last time that we recorded was pretty much like right after the insurrection at the Capitol. So, <clears throat> you know, that's what we talked about. And we're going to kind of do a continuation of that today. Only we've had time to kind of calm down. And, you know, there's been a lot of media reporting about it. Um, Which, I, yeah, I did want to say the last episode we did, we talked about that cop who had passed away. And then at the end of the episode, I read that um, that wasn't true. He hadn't passed away yet, um, but he was in critical condition. I'm sure that's why that report came out that he had passed away. Um, so we ended the podcast saying like, oh, no, he was still alive. But now um, a week or so, has pa- he, ha- he did eventually pass away. <coughs> and there was uh, another Capitol Police officer who was on duty that day who had committed suicide as well. Like I just found that. Afterwards. Yeah, I just found out about that today. And I'm just like, wow, that's I mean, that's a tragedy. So little update there but so i mean obviously if you've been watching any of the news then you know that um the investigation has begun and they are you know looking into all these videos that these people took of themselves breaking in um and i mean it's it's kind of incredulous that the fbi and the um you know, Department of Homeland Security didn't know what was about to happen for a couple of reasons. Um, for one, it's your job to foresee potential attacks like this. And, you know, given the fact that Trump had spent two months denying that he had lost the election, he called all of his patriots to come to uh, Washington, D.C. on the day that they were supposed to certify the vote for Biden to become president. He had been intimidating and threatening the governor of um uh, Georgia, Georgia to to find votes for him. He was going off the deep end, um, trying to pressure Mike Pence into violating the Constitution. So you could see this descent into madness that was happening. And, um, you know, he, he one thing that Trump is very effective at is rallying his his base and getting them wound up tight as a spring. So I don't really understand. Um, there's been a lot of excuse making and finger pointing that's gone on. But, <clears throat> you know, having been in the security in security work for you know over a decade that's what my degree is in and you know there are certain things that you um you know learn to see as foreboding and i just don't understand and on top of that um you know we're spied on constantly by the government by the nsa um as soon let us all know that every device we have that has a microphone is it's capable of being you know, hacked into and listened to by and cameras, the turned CIA on. cameras, um, you know, our televisions, like everything we have is a way for the government, if they need to or want to, listen in to what we're saying. And these people weren't even hiding it. They weren't even making an attempt to hide their, their all of their planning that was going into this. And yeah, now, like y'all fucked up. Snowden told us what you can do. <laughs> right. But so one of the things I wanted to say is that I think the fact that these people went in there and they went without covering their faces. Um, I mean, I know they're an anti-mask crowd, but if you're going to go commit a major felony of sedition and, you know, terrorism, you might want to obscure your your face. But the crazy thing about it is, though, is that a lot of these people that they're interviewing, they don't even think they've done anything wrong. Right, so that was what I was going to say, is that the fact that they went in there and televised, you know, recorded themselves and put these things on social media and bragged about it shows that they really do not believe a, that they did anything wrong, um, and B, that they don't feel like they're going to suffer any repercussions whatsoever for what they did. None. 
They don't they don't believe because they think Trump is in charge and he's going to either pardon them or um, he, they're going to still make sure that he's president after January 20th. <laughs> so, um, which at first I thought like, no, this is just a crazy thing. Like the majority of people who voted for Trump or supported Trump don't <clears throat> actually believe that he's still going to be president somehow. But um, yeah, no, I'm wrong. I mean, literally most of the people that I've conversed back and forth with, um, nobody that I'm associated with, but you know, on online especially, but they're locals because it's like local threads or whatever. And mm-hmm. they, they even they like think they really think that like after they're like, oh, come back and say that next week. And I'm like, what do you mean when Biden's president? And they're like, he's never going to be president. I'm like, OK. Well, right. I, I wrote an article uh, last week, earlier this week, I guess, for um, Op-Ed News. And if you guys want to go there and check it out. But I'm kind of in the process of another one called um, I haven't decided yet, like the title of it, I was going to call it. Trump's mind fuck of America, but I'm like, I don't know if the editor will, I'm an assistant editor, but I don't know if he'd let me put mind fuck in the Don't want to use the fuck word. So then I was like, maybe I should call it mind rape, but I'm like, I don't know. So I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. But basically, throughout the four years that Trump has been president, even started before he became president, he would do things and it would be so outrageous. And then the news media would be losing their shit over it. And then his supporters would be laughing about it. And we're like, oh, this is going to do him in. The GOP is not going to let him run as president. Like every time the left thought there was going to be some consequence for Trump, surely he'll get in trouble or something will happen to him now. It never happened. Ever. So you can't really blame his supporters for laughing in the left's face, even at this point when he's about to leave office because they say he's not leaving office. Like you kind of start to wonder, like, whose reality is really wrong, mine or theirs? Because they they were pretty much right. He didn't get in trouble for anything that he did. Right. Yeah, absolutely. He might at this point because he's in a lot of legal trouble, too. But. Did you see too? I was like laughing, you know, the song Another One Bites the Dust. I was singing it Another One Under the Bus because he threw Giuliani. He was like, don't pay oh my him. Lord. Don't pay Rudy Giuliani. I was like, another right. one under the bus. <laughs> so anyways, when this all, when this, all this crap hit the fan, like I was, <clears throat> you know, sending videos and pictures of people to CNN because there were independent journalists who were, um, you know, like identifying certain people and there's a video of a guy who's a known fascist organizer named Ali Alexander, and um, a, an independent um, journalist had a video of him. And thank God these people track these hate groups and save videos so that when they yank them down, they're, they're already archived somewhere. Um, but he, um, Greg Palast, had a video of Ali Alexander saying that he had help from three congressmen who were coordinating with him in this uh, event on January 6th. Mm, I wonder who that could be. Well, he named them. He said it was Mel- Mo Brooks and uh, two guys from Arizona, I think. He, he names them in the video in any event. Um, you know, and he says, you know, while everybody else is talking smack, I'm actually organizing with these three congressmen. And, um, you know, now there's reports that from some of the people in Congress that people were walked through the halls and given reconnaissance tours like they were people that shouldn't have really been there given the Capitol's kind of locked down for COVID and these other Congress people were walking people through there. So um, there's a lot of suspicion about that. <clears throat> yeah, um, I think we're going to find out that Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, and uh, oh shit, what's the crazy ass wench's name that's like threw a fit about the metal detector? Oh, um, Bobert. Yeah, Bobert. Is one, yeah, she's Bobert. She's the pro-gun, super pro-gun. And then there's the QAnon lady. Yes. I, I suspected one. that she what's was going to be one of Green? them. Green? Uh, Mar- 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 Marjorie Taylor Green. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I am guessing all four of them are involved. And maybe Matt Getz. 
Gates gets. I don't know. Yeah. He's he's just he's a turd. He might be in there, but I just feel like he's kind <clears throat> of uh just a follower, not a leader. You know, I see yeah. him just like sucking he, up. Not he actually and kicking. Jim Jordan are like the Beavis and Butthead of Congress. That's right. what I call them. But. Yeah, I don't see. I don't know if I see them actually making any significant moves. But those two women, absolutely, I see it from them. And Holly, I see it from him. Right. So they put metal detectors in, and I guess they walked around them. Um, and Nancy Pelosi said that <clears throat> if they fail to comply with the metal detectors they've been put in for the safety of the other people in Congress, she will fine them $5,000 every time they do it. Five thousand. No, but that's the first bullshit. Time, Ten thousand the second time. That's bullshit. It should just be no. Absolutely not. This is the problem with America, and I feel like this is exactly why we ended up in this situation with the literal fucking terrorist attack on the Capitol. <coughs> is because so often we just let this type of shit go to not cause a big problem. How about no? <laughs> How well, I mean, what no. are you going to do? Is start arresting people in Congress? I mean, no, telling them, okay, well, that's your choice, but like, this is a building and this is for safety, and you can't come in here. Period. I can't go in the fucking courthouse and just walk around right. the metal detector. Well, they I mean, won't let me in. It's pretty sad that people in Congress are afraid of like other congressmen bringing firearms in there now. Well, it's their, you know what I mean? It's not like anybody's afraid of Nancy Pelosi. There's a fucking reason they're afraid of these people. Right. So, <clears throat> anyways, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> One of the things I wanted to talk about is these, uh, you know, right-wing groups, because I heard somebody on CNN saying, you know, well, these are the Blue Lives Matter people, the people that love police, and here they are, like, beating police officer to death. So, you know, what hypocrisy, and, you know, we even on our show last week, we probably said some things to that nature because, you know, we were in shock about it, but when you actually look at what these right-wing groups believe in, what motivates them... Um, you kind of understand it a little bit more. So what I wanted to do was give you a little bit of background into some of their uh, thought processes, if you want to call them that, um, what motivates them. So for a couple reasons, because <clears throat> we all kind of feel helpless right now. And I think if we know sort of uh, what what's going on, like we just we kind of lump all these people together as like a group of insane Trump, pro-Trump maniacs. Right, but they're but they're all from different branches. But they are from different branches, and so we have to. Well, eventually, I think what was going to happen is we'll have to start getting the leaders of these terror cells, which is what I call them, and <clears throat> then we'll have to go from there to um, trying to get the ones who are less extreme to back into the mainstream. Um, you know, when we went on a tour of Ireland, Duke and I, um, we took a train from Dublin to Belfast. And when you go from, uh, you know, Ireland into Northern Ireland, which is part of Great Britain, there was a lot of hostilities there because, <clears throat> you know, the Irish were taken over and dominated by the English and they resisted. And eventually the English took over the Northern part of Ireland. And um, <clears throat> so there was like a civil war and there were terrorist bombings by the IRA and, and uh, other groups. And so they told us when you take this train, sometimes people will throw rocks still at the train. Like northern people in Northern Ireland will throw rocks at the people from Southern Ireland coming up. And it's just like not really a thing now, but it's kind of like they still do it. <laughs> no one threw any rocks at our train. So I wanted to say like there's a difference between um, asymmetric warfare and guerrilla warfare and terrorism. And, you know, sometimes when, 
the United States military goes into places like Vietnam, for example, and there's a people there who don't have, you know, they're villagers, they don't have the sophisticated equipment that we have, they engage in asymmetric warfare. And so that means they use booby traps, bombs, unconventional things to try to fight back against a superior military. The IRA used a lot of bombings. They would do bombings um, because they were resisting, you know, a, an outside uh, country coming in and dominating them. So they were using some of the same tactics as you would say were te are terrorist tactics, but they're not. Um, it's, it's like what's motivating them. They consider themselves resistance fighters. So, but these people in the United States, like we've grown up with a unique set of criteria, I guess, or motivations that other countries don't have. And um, part of it is because of the way we were formed. Um, we, we, we had our, our war, revolutionary war. And then after that, there was a big debate about how the country was going to be you know, designed, and you had people that wanted, some group, some group of people that wanted a really strong, top-down, centralized federal government. And those were people who looked at, like, the monarchical system in Britain as not being that terrible of a floor plan. They just didn't want to have, like, an all-powerful king. But then there were other people who were anti-federalists who wanted all of the power to be within the states. And um, they believed that pretty much they wanted every state to be, like, its own little country. And a very, very, very small, limited federal government. And, you know, th they tried that for a while. But the problem was that, you know, there are certain things the states couldn't do. They couldn't engage with other foreign countries. They couldn't, if there were disputes between the states, how would they resolve them? They didn't want the states to become too competitive as far as, like, Virginia trading with uh, England and, uh, you know, West, or not West Virginia, but... Um, you know, Maryland trading with, uh, with uh, you know, France, and then they get into a competition. And so there, were, there needed to be some kind of federal structure to kind of resolve all those interstate disputes. And, and so the, the, you know, anti or the Federalist eventually convinced them. Well, actually, they snuck off and wrote a constitution that was a federal constitution <laughs> behind the anti-Federalist back which didn't go down very sneaky, well. Sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, Alexander Hamilton was kind of, I think, at the head of that. But anyway, so um, they had this federal government, but it was, it was begrudging. The, uh, the states in the South in particular didn't want to be told what to do by a federal government. So it started off not real friendly, and um, it only precipitated as the issue of slavery, you know, uh, became more of a, of a divide between the North and the South. And uh, the southern states, you know, it, it just the issue over slavery was the main thing. You know, there were other issues, too, like taxation rules and things like that. But so then we have a civil war. Right. And um, the southern states were like, yeah, well, we we wanted to have our own, own, own power and you agreed to that. And then you took it away from us. And so we're, we're just getting out of this whole like it was like Brexit. <laughs> it was like the states just said, we're done with this whole union thing. We're going to be our own independent powers again. And um, <clears throat> so this idea of, you know, we have to be ready to fight off first a foreign invader, but then also a federal invader. And um, so after the Civil War, uh, the North won, obviously, and the Southern states were brought back into the Union through Reconstruction. 
And that involved like kind of heavy handed management by the federal government for a while to make sure the South didn't rise again. And so there was more hostility built about that. And then, um, <clears throat> you know, they, the South started the Jim Crow laws, which were their attempt to still repress black people. And, um, you know, then every time there was like a control by the North, by the, what they considered the federal government to force them to get rid of slavery and to, um, you know, start to accept civil rights, they rebelled against that. So, you know, these armed militias, a lot of them are predominantly in the South. There, there are, I believe there's one in West Virginia, um, but they're, they, their idea is, you know, first, first and foremost is preservation of the Second Amendment. You have to be armed um, and be ready for tyranny where, wherever it rears its head, whether it's um, a foreign government or your own government, enemies foreign and domestic, you got to be ready to fight for your rights and defend the Constitution and all that. So on the surface, it doesn't seem that malignant. But when you realize what motivates extremism, you know, extremism is when any belief is so far at the end of a spectrum that it kind of dominates every aspect of your life. And violent extremism happens when a person whose entire life is based around this belief system and they feel like that belief system is being threatened. And, um, you know, our political structure has been over the last, um, I would say, 20, 30 years to, you know, when we get a president in there, the pendulum kind of swings to the right, and then it swings to the left, and then it swings to the right, and then it swings to the left. And it seems like every time that pendulum swings, it goes a little bit farther to the left, and then a little bit farther to the right. I don't know, though, because I just feel like... I mean, one term of Trump, shit got pretty fucking wild and out of hand. I mean, shit got amped up pretty fast. And now we have Biden, which is like as radical as a bowl of oatmeal. <laughs> like, I just don't think he's going to do shit. I mean, but in comparison to Trump, like how far is he from Trump? Like Trump is like Hitler. So, I mean, yeah, but it's like, I it's like, like we went from san insanity to sanity. I would say Obama was pretty left and then we swung really far right with Trump and now we're just like kind of swinging back. Okay, left. well let me like, qualify that when I say left to right. So when I say left to right, I mean social cultural issues. I don't mean militarism and and, and fucking getting us in wars and stuff because uh, both okay. sides do that. I, okay, I see what you're saying. <clears throat> both sides are corporatists and both sides are warmongers. So take those off the table. I'm talking about social issues, religious issues, gay marriage, uh, you know, transgender people, white supremacy, uh, multiculturalism, these culture wars that have been going on. Um, you know, and they, and they, we've always, we've always had that, you know, in the sixties people, you know, uh, you know, hippies resisted, they didn't want the Vietnam war. They were peace nicks. And then you had your people that were just like, oh, you're not patriots. And, and interestingly enough, I did find a quote I wanted to read. It's by one of the top, one of Hitler's top, top guys. Okay. And he says, uh, talking about going to war and he says, why, of course the people don't want war. Why should some poor slob on a farm want to risk his life in a war when the best he can get out of it is to come back to his farm in one piece? Naturally, the common people don't want war, neither in Russia nor England, nor that, for that matter in Germany. That is understood. But after all, it's the leaders of a country who determine the policy, and it's always a simple matter to drag the people along, whether it's democracy or a fascist dictatorship. 
or a parliament or a communist dictatorship. Voice or no voice, the people can always be brought to the bidding of the leaders. That is easy. All you have to do is tell them they're being attacked and denounce the peacemakers for lack of patriotism and exposing the country to danger. It works the same in any country. So, you know, he caught on to this idea that if you tell people, if you, if you fear monger, you make people afraid that there's some invader, there's some foreign element, they will react because that's what human beings do. So these extremist movements are a reaction to, um, you know, what they perceive as the threat to their way of life. Yeah, I guess it's just like the thing I don't get about it is, you know, when you're a kid, your older brother can tell you a hundred times that the boogeyman's going to get you and you might be scared of the boogeyman, right? Or scared of the dark or whatever. But then every single night you go to sleep and you wake up the next morning and nothing happened. And the older you get, and the more times that happens, you realize like that that's just not real. And so I guess I just thought after all the Obama bullshit of Obama's going to take our guns and he's going to establish this world government and all this crazy shit they said was going to happen under Obama, that nothing, none of that happened, that they would be like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, right. So what happens? And you're right about that because I just read a book about. I mean, honestly, um, the fears that I heard people saying when, when Trump got elected and they were upset, the things that they were afraid of happened. So... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I feel like their fears right. are kind of like right. rationalized, but I don't know what the right is so afraid. Like, are you afraid of people getting health care? Are you afraid of people making $15 an hour? So all, all of your fears are economic? Like, what are no, you afraid of? Not at all. So it's not, it does, it's not as much based on ec economics, except for the fact of sometimes they use economic disparity, right? When people are depressed economically, emotionally, they're in a bad way which makes them vulnerable to these other forms of incitement. But the, but the incitement has very little to do often with, with economic issues like socialism. They use socialism, but not really because of the economic aspect. So the main types of extremism are racial extremism, which we've seen you know, with the KKK and neo-Nazi groups. Um, and then you have like the militia-based groups, which as I've explained, is rooted in this idea that um, you have to be always willing to defend your rights and against this, you know, tyranny. You know, we see this with the mask thing. So when you start to understand the mindset, it's kind of like they symbolize the mask wearing as, you know, any of these rules that are being thrown down on them as a provocation of their rights. And that, and, you, and you're like, that's so insane. And it is insane. But if you understand the ideology that they fear always every right being taken away from them, they're obsessively terrified of this, that every single thing to them is a sign of it. That's why it's nuts. That's why it's extremism. So, um, and then you have like religious-based terrorism, um, like your people that bomb abortion clinics. Um, there's groups called Christian identity groups, which are racial, which kind of have a Christian racial hatred thing where they believe that they're descended from a particular line of a tribe of Israel or some, something. And uh, so they hate on everybody that's not. <laughs> um, they look at, they like, they hate on Jews because they think Jews say they're the chosen people, but really they are, the Aryans are, and it's crazy shit like that. Um, and then there's like eco-terrorism, e people that are like against company chemical companies and 
experimentation on animals and that kind of thing. So believe it or not, like there's some people that are serious <laughs> domestic terrorists in that realm too. So what you're saying though is a good point in that if people are, if there's a fear mongering and then the, the events don't come to fruition, it does diminish the movement. And that happened like in Y2K. Um, there was this big paranoia that when the year turned from 1999 over to 2000, there was going to be a worldwide meltdown. And it's hard to imagine it, like, unless you live through it. <laughs> I mean, you were, you were alive through it, but, like, you weren't an adult and didn't probably understand, like, No, not the at all. hysteria. I was only, like, four. Yeah, so, like, they believed that all the, 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 the power grid, the banks, stores, everything was based on computers now. And so when the computers didn't know how to flip over to the year 2000, it was going to be pandemonium and that the government was going to use this chaos as an excuse for martial law. And you hear this a lot with these militia groups is martial law. So it's when <clears throat> the federal government decides that they have an excuse now to finally pull the switch and come in and take your guns away from you and, and be tyranny, complete tyranny over you. And like you said, they went through this with the Obama. And I think Obama provoked a lot of this for a couple reasons. For one, he was black. So you had like the racial fear thing of, you know, these racist groups are always harping on the, you know, diversification of America, the multiculturalism. They, they are terrified of that because they think it's the end of the white race. Like they obsess about it. And um, I don't know what they think is going to happen like. If we all, like, have these relationships and have biracial children. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't understand why that's even so, like, why do they think that's so bad? It's I, like, I okay, literally... let's fast forward to the point where it's happened now. What's, okay, what are you scared of now? Like, I, you know, when we talked about this type of thing when we had Jermaine and Ron Scott on, um, they, I remember them saying that they think, like, people might be afraid of it because they think that uh, people of color will want payback. Payback, right, revenge. They're afraid of the upending of the power structure. And and really, there is a fear in it. There's like kind of a primal fear of being in the minority because they've always had the privilege of being in power. But it's also a fear of losing the power that you've always had and always enjoyed. You know, white supremacist people are, they want to cling on to that. And they want to make sure that everything they do is, is rooted in keeping the white people on top. And um, so, you know, some, when, you, when you look at the crowd that was at the Capitol, you saw like a, the, all of these disparate groups that have different ideologies, some of them in direct conflict with one another culminating together and cooperating together in a way that they generally don't. And that's concerning. Um, you know, when Trump ran for office, people said, you know, well, he's, a, he's a populist. And um, I mean, I guess he is in the sense that Hitler was a populist. He knew how to, how to pick into, you know, a broad fear, a broad emotion that a lot of people were feeling. But like, I tend to think of Bernie as a populist because his, ide his platform appeals broadly to people because of the economic situation we're in his 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 actual platform is wide widely um you know adhered to <clears throat> or desired by people but trump trump kind of 
brought together all of these different groups of people under like an umbrella. So to me, I didn't really see him as a populist. I saw him as an organizer of separatist groups. (laughs) But in any event, it was effective. Because when you looked at the crowd, you saw like the don't tread on me flag. You saw the, the, the um, Confederate flag. I saw the join or die flag too. The join or die flag. Um, so, you know, he, he's managed to bring together all of these groups. And what does that mean for us? Well, you know, the, the thing about the four years that Trump's been in office is <clears throat> normally there's an inverse relationship between terror, domestic terrorism and who's in charge. So in other words, when your guy's in charge, you're less afraid. So there's less uh, extremism. You always look for extremism on the opposite end of whoever's in charge. So you're like, well, Trump's been in office. For four years. So why are his people being extreme? Well, the answer to that is <clears throat> because he has continued, unlike most leaders who come into power, their people see they're in power <clears throat> and they they, they chill the fuck out. Right. So winning an election is what they're there to do. So they win an election and they go the fuck on with their business. Trump spent four years continuing to exacerbate the fears of these different groups of people. So even though they were winning, you know, say, are you tired of all the winning yet? He continued to provoke these groups with this idea that if they didn't stay on top, if they didn't stop all these immigrant caravans, if they didn't defend marriage from gay people and defend gender from transgender people and all of these things are under assault, you know. Um, So, for example, when he got out of the Paris Accords, most people were like, well, it's because, you know, he's a corporatist and um, he doesn't give a shit about the environment, which is true. But it's also... Anything that you do cooperatively, internationally, is, what is it? Globalism. So these militia groups, their ultimate fear is, first, the American government becomes tyrannical. And then America itself is absorbed into a global one-world government. This is Alex Jones's, um, you know... If he could name a hemorrhoid, it would be globalism. But I don't, I mean, I guess I, I get that. But at the same time, then you think if that's truly the basis of their fear, then why were they not afraid and willing to deny all evidence of Trump being involved with the Russians? I'll tell you why. Because Vladimir Putin is a nationalist. Vladimir Putin is all about Russia. Kim Jong-un is a nationalist. He is all about North Korea. Trump signaled to all of his base when he said America first that he wants to be like them. He wants to be authoritative and he wants to rule and he wants to stand up to 
these European Union people who want to just make one, all of us all get cozy and be one. That's why the Brexit movement was a right wing movement. Because it was saying, you know what? We don't want to cooperatively be part of a, a union of countries. We want to be on our own. So there's that strong thread of nationalism that runs through there. Our country is the best, and we want to be on top, and we don't want to cooperate with anybody. Um, so, you know, they see cooperation as weakness. And, you know, all the things that Trump has done since he's been in there signaled to these people, whether conscious, sometimes consciously, sometimes subconsciously, that he understood what they were afraid of and he was going to make sure that it never happened. So I'm not really sure about the whole like <clears throat> pedophilia thing. I think that got thrown in as a kind of an after thing about Hillary. Um, you know, the whole Podesta emails and the pizza gate and all that. I think that's where the whole uh, pedophilia thing came in there. And then the QAnon um, aspect of it, the QAnon cult that I 100% believe will be exposed after Trump leaves office as um, the development of a domestic terror cell by the, by the Trump administration. I think it was 100% his creation. I, I think, do too. I, I wouldn't be Steve surprised. Bannon, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a Steve Bannon, Eric Prince love child. Uh, Roger Stone, possibly. Roger, Roger Stone, yeah. Um, and, and Mike Flynn's a big part of the QAnon thing, but I think he might have been brought in after the design aspect just to kind of be the general of the Q army. But uh, they were a huge part of that rally. Um, and of course, you know, they, their big thing is that Trump's exposing the deep state. So what is the deep state? The deep state is the concept that there is a dark force that actually runs the government the president doesn't actually run it. A syndicate, if a you syndicate. will. A <laughs> syndicate. And that this uh, deep state is globalists. So there you go. There's a globalist. Now, yeah, this is like uh, <laughs> straight, literally someone that I know uh, was trying to argue with me the other day about this QAnon shit. And I'm like, dude, come on now. Um, seriously, like what's going to have to happen to make you admit that you're wrong? You know what I mean? Because like just name it. And then when it happens, I'll come back to this conversation and be like, are we done yet? But he's like, you're just missing the big picture, just like in the X-Files, like the syndicate that like you're missing. And I'm like, okay, but that was a fucking TV show <laughs> like 30 years ago. Like what? What? We can't. This that What? Like real life. I just feel like real life is not that. This is not this complex. It's not that interesting. I don't think there's some kind of shadow government. I really just think that every politician that gets in is out for their own power and their own interests. You know what I mean? I don't think it's some kind of global... Well, now, you remember during the impeachment hearings, all the people from the State Department and the ambassadors and whatnot who've been in their jobs for 20, 30 years came in to testify about Trump and how he made this call to Ukraine and stuck his nose in the middle of foreign policy that had already been decided. The checks had already been written to Ukraine. He goes and makes his phone call. You remember one of the things Fox News kept saying about demonizing all the people that testified against Trump. They're all unelected bureaucrats. So that's a code word for deep state. Now, Sean Hannity's not afraid to say deep state. But, you know, the idea that people that are unelected, who are appointed, those people are all part of the syndicate. Why? Because they're appointed by people that own the syndicate. Which is nonsense, okay? But follow my logic here. So as far as the Blue Lives Matter thing, when you see... Um, 
you know, people saying they have all this respect for veterans, right, and for police officers, but then they're up there beating to death a police officer. And there was one guy, they have a video now, who kind of looks like a cross between Chumley from Pawn Stars and Yeti. I'm not... Oh, yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's got, like, long hair and he's fat. And, I mean, he's just... You know, but side note, Chumley has lost a lot of weight. Okay. I mean, I'm not fat shaming. I'm just describing. The guy's a big guy. He's a big guy, right? I'm so okay with you. So anyhow, so he's saying the only answer for what's going on inside there is death. Every one of those Capitol Police officers is a traitor and they need to die. Well, and they, I guess they arrested that guy that had the uh, plastic handcuffs that said he was going to take hostages and he was like a veteran. Yeah, there were a lot of veterans there. Um, and, but this guy was saying like, you know, all these Capitol Police need to die. There was a video of a bunch of protesters, or not protesters, um, insurrectionists, sorry, who were, um, like, screaming at the National Guard, telling them they're cowards, like, hating on military people. So, to explain that, what seems to be hypocrisy, here's, here's how that breaks down in the mind of a militia person. So, remember our friend Darleaf from uh, Wisconsin who said that maybe the terrorists who were going to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer were just going to make a citizen's arrest. Remember that guy? Mm-hmm. Michigan, sorry, Michigan. Was it the, sh- the sheriff? Yeah, Sheriff yeah. Darley. So sheriffs are the one law enforcement personnel that are elected to their position. Which, he, by the way, he got reelected. He ran unopposed and got reelected to an $80,000 a year job. Shocker. Which is depressing. But anyway, so the militia people... Look at the sheriff as he's the only real law enforcement. Why? Because city police officers and state police officers are not elected. They're appointed. They get their job and they're hired by the deep state. So if the federal government goes uh, into martial law, and they tell your, their state police officers who they hired to go and arrest you and put you in a FEMA camp, the theory of the militiamen is they'll do it because they work for the government. But the sheriff is hired and works for us. We elect him. So he's hired by the people. So it's kind of this mentality. If you stop and think about it, back in the day, <clears throat> you know, in the South, the sheriffs were extremely corrupt and racist. <laughs> And, uh, you know, when people would lynch somebody, they would do it in public and take pictures of themselves. Why? Because local sheriff was the law. I mean, old movies you've seen where the sheriff says, you know, I am the law, boy. You know what I mean? And that's how I it is. I am the law. Sheriffs are elected by the people and they think, I mean, I'm not speaking of all sheriffs, but according to the, what the militia mentality is, the sheriffs are owned by the town where they have to run for re-election. We put you there and we can remove you there. Not so with state, with city police or state police. So I'm not saying that these militias are against city police and state police. What I'm saying is they consider the local sheriff to be the actual authentic form of law enforcement, not other branches of, you know, the go- and the militias are the real true patriots, not the... U.S. military, which could be turned against its own people. So that's where you get that breakdown. And um, in fact, the one uh, 
one of the larger militia movements is called the Oath Keepers. You probably might have heard them being talked about on the news. I've heard them mentioned a couple times this week. And the Oath Keepers um, recruit former or maybe current military and and um, law enforcement, and they make them. You know, when they when they come into the Oath Keepers, they swear an oath that they're going to defend, you know, the Constitution, but that they refuse to follow any orders that violate the Constitution. So in Virginia, when the democratically elected Virginia legislature and the Democratic governor passed minor gun restrictions down there, these um, people got their guns and went to the Capitol then. And um, they didn't do anything like what we saw at the Capitol in Washington, D.C. But it was basically like they were trying to let them know that we don't consider your laws legitimate. And uh, a lot of the sheriffs came straight out and said, we will not enforce these laws. So, I mean, I started to see a breakdown of the institution of government and authority back when that happened because as much as you might have a belief whatever your belief is if you the minute you decide to exist in a family or a tribe or a town or a government or whatever when you decide to become a member of a larger society guess what happens you you don't get to do whatever you want there are rules when you live gregariously as a as a group that one person doesn't get to just do whatever they want that, that's never been the case. Like, I don't care if you're in a primitive tribe. If you go over and, like, punch somebody in the face, I'm sure the rest of the people in the tribe are going to deal with you in some kind of way. You don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, but the whole structure of these militia groups is that they want to bring the authority, they want to reduce the authority over them clear down to the very local level in some cases, all the way down to just themselves. So there's a group called the um, Sovereign Citizen Movement. And you might have heard Jovi talk about this before. But they don't believe in following any government laws. <laughs> they basically say, I'm, I am my own sovereign. I don't have to follow your man-made laws, your governmental laws. I don't, I don't have to abide by that. God's the only one who can give me rules and laws. And it's, it's like insane. Like they want to exist in society but like follow zero yeah, rules with our roads and our structures and our hospitals but they don't want to pay taxes or follow our laws right and i guess there's like some they, under, go live in the fucking woods somewhere i guess there's some kind of underlying uh ideology that at some point the actual laws common law that was developed by the founding fathers was secretly supplanted by some kind of uh financial law system system of, that had to do with financial laws replaced common law secretly of course and at that point in time well when we actually when we went off the gold standard they said that we um then started to use the people of the united states and their this is kind of hard to explain, but basically all of us just became part of the matrix for a biz, a shell company. The United States became a shell company and all of us and our social security cards and our names and everything are just little mini shell companies. So all of the credit that the United States government has 
we are in, we are the, we are the um, guarantee of that debt as human beings. So they're saying that that's slavery and they're opting out of the whole system. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of whack. It's kind of out there. But that's their way that they justify saying, like, I don't, I'm not going to be, a, they just, I'm not going to be part of that system. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of crazy. And then you got, like, the three percenters. Uh, they're a really big group, too. And uh, their, their, their thought is that they're called the three percenters because they believe erroneously that only three percent of the colonists actually took up arms to fight off the British. And they are going to be that elite people that save the country when the shit hits the fan. So, but they're pretty much your pro-gun, you know, same thing. Yeah, I've seen a group that's somewhat local to here that's a biker group that claims to be uh, three percenters. And they're also, uh, I mean, they claim that they're not involved with white supremacists and this and that, but they wear an awful lot of clothing that says otherwise. Um, you know, like the SS patches and the Nazi mm -hmm. skulls. And um, I mean, some of them just straight up, like, you know... <laughs> just put it out there you know mm -hmm. and um i don't know i had some words with one of them and and several local people were like listen i know uh this is what you are and this is what you do but seriously don't fuck with them because they'll just they'll just hurt you and i was like all right uh okay for maybe once in my life i might be a little intimidated like it, i mean it didn't make me keep my mouth shut but i was like mm, yeah i guess i forgot that uh these people are fucking nuts and they will right. just come after you like they don't care and I mean, sometimes these groups start out, and, and the reason that a lot of times they end up failing is because they get these leaders that are kind of uh, like narcissistic and power hungry. <laughs> and so they don't cooperate well. They, they've tried like the KKK, for example, when it got started, obviously mostly, mostly in the South, and as it spread out, um, they tried to get like this organizational structure where they had like chapters and like the Grand Dragon or whatever, but it was like... <sighs> They insisted so much on this regional, local control that it was very hard for them to operate under that kind of a nationalized system. Um, and that doesn't really surprise me. So, like I said, this to me, it's kind of concerning that all these groups that kind of are very separatist in a way. Like, for example, if you have like a white supremacy group and somebody in the group, um, like a, lead, a new leader, comes up, starts coming up in the ranks, and they want to bring in like Christian identity white supremacy, like that white supremacist leader might be, if they're like a neo-Nazi, for example, might be like, no, you're not bringing Christianity into our group. Our group is solely for this or that. Like sometimes they absolutely insist on the purity of their ideology and other times like they will blend in with like the pro-gun, like the, you know, the, the current neo-Nazi groups. They, like when the KKK started to diminish in popularity because it was, you know, it was just kind of like waning down in numbers. They decided like that it would appeal more to younger guys to have like a military style look. And when you came in, you'd get like military style training. They realized that appealed to young guys more than, you know, the, the sheets and hoods, I guess. So, you know, they... They do think of these things, like how popular can I make my movement, especially now. It seems like on the internet and, you know, there's more marketing of the whole, the whole thing. And like back in the day, like it was like two or three of these groups. So if you went into the, into that group and you, the, you absolutely are required to conform to absolutely everything they say, right? 
and you're like, well, oh no, this like really isn't for me. You were done. But now there's such a, a cornucopia of hate groups that you can pick your pleasure. Like, do you want just a purely neo-Nazi group? Do you want like a white supremacist with some Christian stuff in there? Do you want just like an anti-Jewish, anti-globalist thing where Soros is like on a, on a fucking altar where they, they stab him every day? Like, what is your pleasure? There is an extremist group for you. And that's like a little disconcerting. But uh, so anyway, so what does all this mean? Uh, okay, so going forward, unfortunately, and I'm not trying to fear monger here or make people need more nerve pills, but um, I think that this is going to get worse. And uh, I don't think it's just going to be the inauguration. I think it's going to go far beyond that. So Until we start making examples of people who are literally doing acts of terrorism, nothing's going to change. I mean, it's just like with this mask thing. I was talking about this today. You know, at the beginning of this, if they would have, if states took this seriously and wanted to roll out and make this a serious thing, everybody has to wear a mask, then they could have told all of the businesses, if you allow people to come into your business without wearing a mask, that is your choice, but you will pay a fine. And they should have fined the businesses. And at that case, I mean, when, when these people show up, I mean, places like Walmart, for example, Walmart can afford to hire security. So if it becomes a problem that these people are literally fighting with your sales associates, then hire security, okay? Right. It's not the police's job paid by tax dollars to be on your private property to enforce rules. These are the fucking rules. You know what I mean? That's like saying that our tax dollars should pay for the fire alarms that have to be installed at Walmart because it's a rule that they have for public right. safety. Nah, get your shit together. You're a business. Right. Either so, pay the fines or, or stop people from coming in with masks. And, and they could have done that. But you know what? They didn't. They let it slide. And now it's become into this whole fucking social movement when we should have just shut that shit down to begin with. And, and everything in our country works that way. If we just set a fucking example and said, no, these are the rules. Either follow them or don't participate. We're not forcing you. Right. You, you're glad to stay home, but I mean, not, I agree with this. you. I agree with you. But I think, you know, in kind of looking at these extremist groups and these ideologies that they have. They thrive on and are inspired by the concept that they're under oppression. You know what I mean? Right. But regardless of what we do, they're always going to find they a are. reason that they they're are. oppressed. They are. They are. And, you know, um, I was going to mention, too, that um, Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City bombing, and we talked about this before, and I think I may have misstated the number of um, victims. It was 168 people that were killed in that bombing. So if I said the wrong number, I might have I said more than that at one time before. But um, Timothy McVeigh com committed that bombing because he was upset about how the Waco uh, siege went down. So if you don't know or remember what happened in Waco, Texas, there was a Branch Davidian uh, religious group, cult, whatever you want to call them, and they were armed, and there were some reports of people that left the cult that there was abuse of children going on in there, physical, sexual abuse, whatever. So the authorities wanted to interview people, and David Koresh, who was their leader, I guess refused, and they, had, they were preppers, so they were well stockpiled with food, um, and... The Clinton administration 
Janet Reno was the, I want to say, attorney general. And they surrounded this compound for 57 days. Because I think when I said that, you were like, man, was it really that long? I think it was like 57 days. And I remember watching it on the news like, damn, it's still going on. You know what I mean? Like, this is crazy. But it was this big standoff. And um, when they forced, when the, when the ATF finally moved in on the compound, a fire got started. Now, they said that David Koresh started it. And, you know, other people said no. They, they set it on fire to try to make him come out. I don't know that we have come to a definitive answer. But anyways, all the people died. And the children that were in there that they were allegedly trying to protect and save died. So that outraged a lot of people. I mean, obviously, it was not handled well. And um, so, but some people couldn't let it go. And, you know, the, here we have these elements where the government, right, the federal government, these were federal agencies, come into a Christian religious organization who was exercising their Second Amendment rights to protect their beliefs, their freedom of speech, and all that. So you've got all of these militia arguments coming true. These people are minding their own business, practicing their religion. They like guns. The federal government didn't like it, tried to come in and, and hard-ass them, and it ended up in massive numbers of people dying. It was The government was too heavy-handed, and this is what kind of thing happens when you let the government become tyrannical. That was the messaging that Timothy McVeigh used to go and murder 168 people, including, I think, 13 children. So then there was the Ruby Ridge incident where uh, a guy by the name of Randy Weaver was wanted for some firearms charges, and he didn't show up in court. So they went to his cabin in kind of a remote area. I don't remember. It was somewhere out west. And um, again, like, surrounded his cabin. They ended up uh, in a in a shootout with his, his 14-year-old son and a family friend who were killed. <clears throat> and they also shot his wife and killed her. So that was another one of those incidents where here's a tyrannical government coming in and attacking this guy. I think he was a veteran. So when these kind of incidents would happen, it would spur on these ideologies. Like, look, the government's coming, the government's coming. So you're right. When those things don't happen, it dies down normally, especially when there's conservative people in charge. But Trump never let it die down. He stayed in office for four years, poking it and prodding it, saying, the immigrants are coming, the immigrants are coming, the immigrants are coming, they're in caravans, they're coming now, they're being paid. Guess what? These immigrant caravans, you know who's funding them? Globalist George Soros. Like everything about him, he just constantly whipped these people into hysteria for four years and then and then the whole deep state thing and the impeachment and then you had fox news saying all these things like these people were these people have literally had a a massive four-year psyop on their brains like mk ultra the success of mk ultra pales in comparison to what these people have had done to them under yeah i'm Trump. starting to wonder if they like you know put something in the mountain dew <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, was, I had to. <laughs> I, had I mean, to. it's, 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 uh, and, and so now how do we recover these people? So some people would say, fuck them. Who cares? String them up. They, if they're criminals and they attack the government, they deserved it. But listen, go back and watch the video. 
not just of the people that are busting in and beating police to death. Look at the size of the crowd that came up there. Now, I know not all of those people are crazies. But we're going to have to punish these, these insurrectionists. We're going to have to punish these terrorists. They have to be punished. And I think when this investigation goes on, we are going to find out that members of Congress helped them, and they're going to have to be punished. And the right wing is going to take these justified prosecutions and turn them into persecutions. You're going to see Fox News telling the Q base, which won't be the Trump base because he'll be gone, but he'll probably start Trump TV, and so he'll still be there. Um, You're still going to have all these people. Roger Stone was never president. Uh, You know, Mike Flynn was never president. And even if Donald Trump's gone, all of this infrastructure has been built for lunacy. It's, it's like, it's there now. And, and these white right-wing militia groups have been training for civil war. All the other group I was going to talk about was Boogaloo Boys. You might have heard them with the Antifa. They're like back and forth with Antifa. And uh, they are like very loosely organized they don't have like a single like every like national wide we all follow this um particular belief system um some of them are severe cop haters others will work with law enforcement like it's really weird like that they it's like individuals to do whatever they want yeah see i always took the term boogaloo as kind of like um just starting shit you know what i mean like gonna go out and get into some boogaloo and it's just like starting trouble but it right. necessarily no like i never saw a belief behind it well they're they would be i think categorized as what's known as an accelerationist so they want to start a civil war and they look for opportunities like the george floyd protest like you know any incident where they could go in and, and turn that already volatile situation into a totally explosive nightmare to further instigate literally just a civil war breaking out that's what they they wanted to come to a civil war and i can tell you um reading a lot of articles and having them sent to me by people who were uh you know on the heavy end of the conservative whatever you want to make right wing you might want to call them well, some of these articles like well, you know, read this. Like, it's going to somehow make me see their point of view. And, and, I, and it helps me to understand more what motivates them. I'll never understand that level of paranoia and fear. But they want a civil war so bad. And I think part of it is, like, guys who never got to fight in a war. I think part of it is preppers who have, have all this material ready and they want to be, like, the savior of their neighborhood. Like, if the, like they've watched too many episodes of... Um, the walking dead and they want to be the guy that leads their group they want to be the rick grimes right like they have these hero complexes or these tough guy things that they want to you know um like the one guy in the video after after uh, of the riot or the insurrection where the guy says all these police officers need to die they're all traitors death's the only answer for these every single one of them needs to die and then another guy says yeah let's go back next come back next time not the bible so (laughs) And if he showed up there with the Bible ready to pray, and now he's joining the war, insur- I don't know like what what that was about, but um, yeah, they definitely feel betrayed. There's so many videos of different people walking up to the cops and be like, "We supported you, and this is what you're gonna do to us." And I'm just like, 
what part of this do you not get that are just like paid to fucking do this like right some of them may have their own you know unjust reasons for why they do shit but like i feel like for the majority uh maybe not in all police departments but i feel like being capital police you know being in washington mm-hmm. the the most of them probably don't get involved on one side or the other i mean i think some of them definitely were helping them but you know what i mean i would i just i don't know i don't like to throw a blanket well, remember everyone. the one guy that we talked about like running up the steps and then we said it looked like he was waving them to mm-hmm. come up the steps yeah they want to give that guy a medal right yeah you know why because he led them away from from the door right so you can't always tell when you see a video like what your first impression is you can't let that especially not if somebody else goes did you see that guy he's helping him that kind of puts it in your mind like Dude, no, that guy, like- I mean, that guy I just felt bad for because it's like they stuck him out there by himself and he was literally being chased by this huge mob of people and he mm-hmm. was by himself. And I'm like, why did they Why did they do this to this guy? Mm-hmm. They left him alone. I mean, that was shitty, but. Well, they were pretty sparsely, I mean, spread out. You know what I mean? They didn't have like a huge number of people, in my opinion, because you saw a lot of people that were in an area where they were kind of defenseless. So that was that was bad security planning, really. On purpose, I think. On but. purpose. Well, anyway, before we finish up here, I wanted to ask you, um, I mean, what's your predictions? What do you think is going to happen? you think they're going to continue on finding and arresting these people and really keep pushing it? you think they're going to, what do you think the chances are that they're actually going to remove Trump from office? I mean, I know everybody's bitching about Mitch McConnell, like, no, we're not coming back. We're going to wait until after the 20th. But like, I kind of feel like that works out in our favor. Well, two things. Um, yeah, the, it's it's kind of late because even if they got a trial underway right now, there's not enough time. It's just too close to the end to actually do a, a big, long trial. Yeah, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I fucking hate Mitch McConnell, but I honestly feel like CNN and everybody's demonizing him for this. And I'm like, this is kind of just like the logical choice. And that kind of helps us because then we'll have our people in there. Right. Like, and truthfully, behind the scenes, you know for a fact that when this all happened, that everybody's like, okay, get the codes off of Trump. You know what I mean? Like, they never probably even gave him the real codes because he's such a maniac. But talking about things that he could do or things that he could say or things that he could whatever, you know, um, I, I think that they've already taken precautions as much as they can as far as him doing anything horribly disastrous. They probably contacted every country around the world and said, listen, this guy's a psycho. Uh, we're more or less de facto Mike Pence is in charge. So um, at this point, do not communicate with him. What they, they, they probably don't know the behind the scenes things, but they don't want to come out and say they have done. Yeah, seriously. Just I was even watching Fox the other day. I like to switch back and forth between the two to see like what's actually going on um, somewhere in the middle. Um, and the FBI and like the National Guard, the leaders were all sitting down and talking and Mike Pence was there. And even Fox News was like, well, this is this is something the president would usually do. But instead, he has Vice President Pence here. And I'm just like, where the fuck is he? He's literally just given up. He's done. He took a plane somewhere. I think he went to the border. And I was joking with somebody. Yeah, he went down there to make sure there's a hole big enough for his fat ass to fit through in case he has to flee the country. (laughs) Well, and that's the other thing I was going to ask you is, do you think there's a reason why? uh, I mean, Pence is going to the inauguration. Trump said he's not going. But now he's saying that he's not even going to be in D.C. Um, You know, do you think there's... A reason behind that? Yeah, because... Um, you think he's just tantruming, or you think that he's in on some plan? Um, Pence has... Uh, Trump has a lot of lot of angles that he's 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 got issues, okay? He's he's afraid of all these legal issues that's come and do on his head. So I think his lawyers are probably... And hopefully he's got someone besides Rudy Giuliani 
I guess since he's not paying Rudy Giuliani now, he probably has to have somebody else. <laughs> Hopefully it's not Lynn Wood or Sidney Powell. <laughs> but, um, you know, there are certain crimes that you can be extradited from one state to another. Um, and I don't know if his plan is to hole up in Florida. Like, I don't know what's, it's really hard at this point because I think he's erratic and he doesn't even know what he's doing. But I think people are trying to tell him to just be quiet for right now or whatever. But do I think that he signaled, do I think that his team, Mike Flynn and the other QAnon nutbags, do I think they are continuing to signal to his people to attack? Absolutely. And, you know, I think that um, when you look at the motivations behind what, what makes these people attack, those are all still there. When Trump is finally removed from office, that's going to be a day that they're going to want to do something. Um, and then Trump's going to be facing all of these legal issues. He's going to continue to be, quote, persecuted and be a victim, right? Um, the people that get arrested uh, are going to be considered martyrs to the movement. So you see that in Middle Eastern terrorism. When somebody gets blows themselves up, they become like a holy person. They're worshipped. They've already made this Ashley Babbitt lady that was climbing through the window that got shot. They've already turned her into Mother Teresa martyr. So this attacks are going to continue. And I think they're going to be precipitated by um, basically us just trying to get the terrorism under control. It's going to spur further terrorism. And it's going to be a long road. I mean, let's not kid ourselves about this. The, these people are deeply entrenched in the ideology. Um, so what I would say is that um, when you're out somewhere, you know, be alert to your surroundings. Um, you know, just look for things that don't make sense. If somebody pulls in and sits in a vehicle and doesn't ever get out of it, doesn't ever come in, doesn't ever go out, people walking around taking pictures of places or, you know, just kind of be aware of people that seem to like not be doing anything that makes any sense. Because um, a lot of times we're so engaged in whatever we're there to do that we're not really paying attention to other people and we need to start paying attention to other people. Also, um, targets are important. So uh, dates are important and targets are important. They're very symbolic. So even though only one person, only even though one of their people died at, at the Capitol, right? And there was five people total that died. So there wasn't a huge uh, death toll. But because they attacked the Capitol, that's symbolic. That's huge for them. They're celebrating like you can't believe. They believe they've won this war because that was the big battle and they've already won that. Um, so, I mean, I would just say, like, just be really careful when you go places. Like, consider, is this, like, a special day where they would want to do something? Is this going to be a really crowded area where they could kill a lot of people? Is it a target of significance, like a church? Like, you know, these people aren't going to bomb churches, maybe a, maybe a mosque. Um, but but particularly federal buildings, courthouses, um, I think they'll take out certain judges. I think they'll they'll try to assassinate certain judges. Um, political figures they don't like. So it's going to be crazy. But um, yeah, we'll see. I wonder how much of this is. I don't know. I tend not to worry about those types of things just because it's like it could happen at any time. So I just, I don't know. I I think there's going to be a pretty big thing on the inauguration and then Trump's going to, I think he's going to get his own news network since everybody silenced him. He's going to try to start up his own network, website, whatever. 
to keep the shit going. But I just, I don't know. I just think as time goes on, Americans are so easily distracted. Well, there are things that restrain people from, from extremism. One of those things is, if, are they economically or are they in a good way? There's a lot of people right now, like I always said, you know, why there's so much terrorism in the Middle East, the Palestinians, you know, look at the, look what they're forced to live, the condition they're forced to live under. And what do they, what do they have to lose? When you get people so down to the bottom of, of what they got to live with and they're financially and morally just demoralized, you know, killing yourself doesn't seem like if you're, especially if you're doing it for a cause, doesn't seem like that bad of an idea. Like if I go to the bank and get turned down for a loan, I don't start thinking about how I'm going to strap a ball myself and, and blow the bank up because I'm angry. Like why? Because I still have my family. I still have my house. I still have my job. I still have the potential of getting a house someday. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like when your life is pretty good, you don't feel like you have to be extreme in your reaction to things. So I think as the economy starts to pick up, as people start to go back to work, all those things will help. And there are people who will only do something if they can't get in trouble for it. So. Right. Yeah. I think that by if we set an example of people and I don't know, I think if they take out this QAnon bullshit, which I have a feeling that once Biden's in office, that suddenly they're going to be able to find out where the source of that's coming from. You know what I mean? I just have mm -hmm. a feeling that that shit is not going to last very long under Biden. Um, I don't know. I think it'll calm down. I think they're going to be rowdy for a while. And maybe they'll, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I guess I just see the Capitol thing. It's not like they went in there guns a-blazing. I mean, what they did was absolutely wrong, and it was a domestic terrorist attack. But the way that they talk, you would think that they were going to show up guns a-blazing. And they didn't. So, I don't know. I guess I just always kind of see these people as, you know, big bark and little dog. You know? They just, I don't know. Some of them were, you know, did were CEOs and, and, and uh, you know, people that had lawyers. I mean, there were some lawyers that got arrested. Like, there was, and generally speaking, if you've got a, a lot to lose, you don't do some crazy shit like that. Yeah. That's, but, I mean, I don't think that logic applies to them because they're so delusional that they don't think anything will happen to them. It's just like these Karens in the grocery stores and shit that like throw a fit and throw stuff and act like children and all that shit. But they like, they know if the cops get called, the cops ain't going to do nothing to them. So they're not scared. Like, I don't know that one lady that tried to accuse that black boy of stealing her phone. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't. I guess his dad's like a music producer or something. I mean, it, it's kind of one of those stories, you know what I mean? You hear, but it's like, so what? But. I mean, it's not so what, but she basically her she left her cell phone in an Uber, and then she got back to her hotel, and she she's like, someone stole my phone, like typical Karen, and like she looks around and sees this young black boy, I guess he was a teenager, but she accused him of stealing her phone and like went up to him oh and like started God. harassing him and like screaming at him and and like it's on video like her going off on him, and then um, I don't know if his dad or somebody comes out and like pushes her away from him or something and. Anyway, she ended up getting arrested over it, and she's she's got a lot of, like, history and stuff. And then she went on Gail King and tried to explain herself, like, I'm really a nice person and whatever. And Gail King was like, well, do you think that, like, when you accused a young black person of stealing your phone, <laughs> that maybe that wasn't being a nice person? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of, like, a bizarre story. But, yeah, like, you're right. Like, she didn't think there was anything wrong with what she did. Even after she did it, she didn't see, like, the horrendous, like, nature of what she did. Yeah, I don't think they realize, so. But when, when people go to jail, though, like, even if you don't think what you're doing is wrong, now you're like, dude, I might seriously get in trouble. Right, yeah. It doesn't matter if you understand if it's wrong. All that matters is that you know you will. 
I will be curious to see if Trump tries to pre-pardon all these people at the Capitol. I wonder, because that dude, what's his name? Jake, uh... Angeli? Yeah, he's already claiming that he's going to ask Trump for a pardon. Well, his lawyer was on Cuomo last night and took the opportunity while he was on Cuomo to say, well, you know, I rep- I'm here for my client. And, you know, if if the president is listening and basically he wants to give my part, he came there for Pathetic. the president. I was like, yeah. I don't think Trump will because he's already like backtracked too much and said like that he doesn't support those people and blah, blah, blah. Like, even if we know that's all lies, I don't think he's going to, I just don't think he's going to do it. Well, see, here's the thing. He doesn't care about any of those people. No, but here's the the thing about, here's the thing about pardons. So, like, if Trump pardons you for being at the Capitol, right, you can't be convicted, which means if they subpoena you to come and testify at his impeachment trial, you can't plead the fifth. The Fifth protects you. You don't have to say a word in court. Why? Because the Fifth Amendment protects you from self-incrimination. But if you've been pardoned already, you have to testify. Because how are you going to defy the court and test, not testify when you can't be, you can't use the Fifth Amendment. You right. can't plead the Fifth. You have to testify. So I don't know, like, or else being contempt of court, I don't know. But I think if he doesn't pardon people, if he does pardon people, I don't know that they... I don't know. I don't know what they'll do then, but I, but I, he's so unpredictable right now because he's just spinning in circles. Take him with his head cut off. But that's all I have for today. Do you have anything else you want to add? Nope. Um, I just read a, a, some, a good book about domestic extremism. And let me see if I got the title on here. The next time we're back recording will be the 21st, so it'll be the day after the inauguration. I can't imagine what we're going to have to talk about. I literally can't even predict what we're going to have to say. So. Okay, one second here and I'll tell you what this book is. It's called American Zealots. American Zealots by Ari Perlinger. And uh, it's not a hugely long book, but it is very academic. So he goes into a lot of like stuff. I wanna, really wanted to read it before I talked to you guys today because I just wanted to get the high points of it. And um, I, think we, I think we got the most of those. All right. Well, like I said, we will see you guys uh, next week. The episode will probably be up uh, by next Friday. Um, and I'm sure we will have so much to say. I'm gonna yeah, be, we're, trying to be... get, we're trying to get some more of the lives going. Like we want to do some more live shows and take calls because that was really like so much yeah, better maybe than just if the we, two of us uh, talking. Maybe if our tech guy is available on Inauguration Day, we will live stream then. Um, or maybe the day after. We'll just have to see what the schedule for our tech guy is. But um I don't know, guys. As always, you can find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Um, questions, comments, concerns, whatever. Send them to us. and we. Thanks will... for tolerating my um, coughing today. I, I apologize. Yeah, you better not that, have but... the Rona. No, I definitely. I've already been tested and I haven't been around anybody. So I know it's not that. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. Take care, guys.